Hard Feelings by Mark Coggins is a bang bang thrill ride, says best-selling author Seth Harwood, who adds that the lead character of Winnie is a female Jack Reacher. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 14 Winnie Hiding in the Lincoln's trunk in the front of the brothel, Winnie decided she would give Reardon ten more minutes before she launched out. For one thing, it was hot as hell inside. For another, she was far from convinced that Ray's jamming device would work or that it would provide an effective diversion. Better to skip the gimmicks and go in guns blazing. A muted chime from the gizmo in her pocket put an end to her contingency planning. She let go of the rope tied to the trunk lid and watched it hinge open. Reardon hadn't thought of a clever way to allow her to unlock the trunk from the inside, so he'd simply remove the latch. She'd been holding the trunk closed since climbing inside a few miles from the whorehouse, but she hadn't given it a second thought. She never felt fatigue. She grabbed the sawed-off pump action and clambered out. The heavy door to the brothel banged against the interior wall when she kicked it open. The only people in the front room were a bartender with garters on his arms and a troglodyte in black jeans standing by the bar, shooting the breeze with him. The guy in the jeans looked like a bouncer, but it didn't matter. She'd already decided that it was open season on any male in the place. If they weren't working for the winemaker, they were raping women forced into sexual slavery. She leveled the sod off at him and blasted away. The shot caught him square under the arm as he turned to look at her. He grabbed the lacerated flesh above his heart and crumpled to the floor, his head conking the polished brass footrail as he landed. Winnie jacked out the expended shell and immediately aimed the shotgun at the bartender. Her first shot vaporized the liquor bottles on the wall as he ducked for cover. Her second splintered the polished oak countertop. It's her, he shouted from his hiding place. Watch out! She couldn't tell if he was warning someone nearby or yelling into a cell phone or a radio. She had no time to ponder the issue because in the next moment, the oily black barrel of a handgun poked around the bar to belch two slugs. She dove behind a wingback chair and chanced to look from the side. She saw the bartender pop up and scurry down a hallway, holding his finger to a Bluetooth earpiece. She sprinted after him. He darted into a room on the left, and almost immediately there were more shots. She heard Reardon call her name as she ran headlong through the doorway. The bartender was emptying his revolver at a huddled mass beneath the canopy bed. Her shotgun boomed, and she decoupaged his brains onto the rear wall. She strode past the ruined corpse, bending down to take in the scene under the bed. There, wrapped in silk sheets, his hand clutching the boob of a naked girl, was Reardon. 
She knew the clown would have found a way to take advantage of the situation. She unholstered one of the glocks and slid it along the floor. Quit fucking around. She shouted over ringing in her ears. And get to work. While Reardon struggled to disentangle himself from the girl in the sheets, Winnie topped off the shotgun magazine with shells from her bandolier. When she next glanced up, he was standing beside her with a sheepish expression on his face. The girl, who looked Middle Eastern, was still on her hands and knees by his feet. What? she demanded. Thank you. You better thank me. I'm not even going to ask how you ended up under the bed with Miss Kuwait instead of guarding the door with a big stick or something. What did you think they would do when they found you had jammed the signal? Reardon grimaced, started to say something, and then swallowed it. What? Winnie demanded again. We're sticking with the plan? Yes, damn it. You take this wing, I'll take the other. Meet at the... A woman's scream interrupted her. It was shrill and panicked, but as much as anything, it broadcast surprise. Outbuilding, finished Reardon. That's right. She waved in the direction of the scream, farther down the corridor. Your meat. Reardon nodded and stepped around her, scoping both sides of the hallway over the outstretched clock before he slipped through the door. When he followed him through, hurrying back to the front room, intending to lock the outer door to stop her slow reinforcements before continuing on to her wing. Too late. A scarecrow with a cowboy hat and a Hulk Hogan mustache stood just across the threshold with a shotgun of his own. He pulled the trigger as she dove behind the bar, the same sanctuary her earlier quarry had sought. She landed amid broken glass and spilled booze from the blasted liquor bottles. Had some of the shot caught her legs? Winnie wriggled her toes to test her mobility. Everything still worked, but when she looked closely, she saw dime-sized bloodstains peppering her right calf. Then she realized the sawed-off had flown from her grasp to a spot in the open, outside the cover of the bar. I reckon I winged you, said the cowboy from across the room, and you lost your gun. Throw out any other weapons you have, and we can end things without more shooting. I don't want to hurt you. She almost laughed aloud. He was underestimating her like many of the winemaker's employees had, but she knew that he was also worried about damaging her valuable circuitry. She calculated the odds. She was a terrible shot with a pistol, so it didn't take long. Okay, she said in a cowed tone, and slid the remaining Glock from behind the bar. I'm coming out. She stood with her arms raised and faked a limp as she came around, standing just in front of the bouncer's body. Don't shoot me. I'm done. The cowboy grinned and shook his head. You got nothing to worry about, missy, as long as you do what I say. He came toward her. When he was less than three feet away, he paused. You got some kind of taser doodad, I see. Can't have that. Drop to your knees with your hands behind your head. She nodded and put all her weight on her left leg while she made a show of slowly lowering her injured right leg to the ground. But then, instead of tucking her left knee underneath her, 
she slapped both palms to the floor and pivoted into a ferocious outside sweep kick. It was the perfect brute force attack for someone who didn't have fine motor skills, and she had practiced it hundreds of times. She caught the cowboy with her right shin just below the knee. He yelped in pain as he toppled. She was on him in an instant, pulling the handheld taser from her bandolier and jamming it into his chest. She gave him the full five-second dose, then re-engaged the trigger for a second jolt. He twitched and bucked and lay still at last. She scooped up his shotgun and stood to aim it at his chest. "'Wait!' said a voice she recognized as Reardon's, but it was too late. She splattered the cowboy's internal organs across the floor in a bloody swath. "'Jesus!' shrieked a new voice, a woman's. She turned to find Reardon holding a blonde in leopard-skin hot pants by the hair. She was bent over with her face in her hands, racked with sobs. The gauzy blouse she was wearing had been torn, and there were bright red scratch marks across her stomach. Reardon looked at Winnie and shook his head. He said something, but the renewed ringing in her ears drowned him out. I can't hear you, she shouted. I said, was that really necessary? Without answering, she leaned down to retrieve the taser and hurried back to the bar to pick up her sawed-off and the Glock. Then, after checking the corridor to the other wing of the building, she said, What about meet me at the outbuilding, don't you understand? We can't congregate here. They are bound to send reinforcements. They probably have the whole place wired for video. They do have it wired, but they don't have reinforcements. There's only one guy left, and he's a civilian. He's the tech weenie who controls the women. How do you know that? Reardon yanked on the blonde woman's hair, pulling her upright. Meet Starlet, she told me. She's the madam or the greeter or something. I guess she's not very popular with the other women. When they got free, the more aggressive of them just about took her apart. It was her we heard screaming. Winnie came up. Maybe you shouldn't have stopped them. She's a traitor to her sex. Reardon cleared his throat. <clears throat> Let's stay focused on the winemaker. No wars between the sexes. All right. So where is this tech guy? Reardon prodded the blonde in the back. He's in the cabana, she said. The outbuilding to us, put in Reardon. And he's got no guns or weapons of any sort? I don't think so. Oz is a skinny little nerd, and the place is filled with computers, video monitors, and other electronics. Nothing, nothing lethal. Winnie laughed without mirth. Oz, you're kidding. His real name is Ojas, but they call him Oz. You know, because he's the guy behind the curtain. Yeah. Well, if Oz called for help from the outside, and he must have by now, how long will it take to get here? The blonde's eyes flashed through her tears, but she said nothing. Answer her, starlet, said Reardon, tugging hard at her hair. All right, all right. There's two other guys in security. They're not on until evening, so it's hard to know where they are or if they're even reachable. 
pretend they were sitting at home by their phones. They both live in Reno, so if he called him right away, about 20 minutes. Winnie looked over at Reardon. Assume we have 20. 20 it is. Let's get her parked and then we see Oz. He pulled Starlet back by the hair and maneuvered her into a three-point turn down the corridor on the left. Follow me, he called over his shoulder. He led them to a room a few doors from the one Winnie had chased the bartender into. It was a kind of lounge, and it was filled with six of the most beautiful women she had ever seen. It was also occupied by three naked men, arranged on the floor like so many tuna at a fish auction. All of the men were white, flabby, and middle-aged, and all were restrained with classic S&M gear, including ball gags, wrist cuffs, and spreader bars. One woman, a tall African-American in harem pants and a vest, was idly switching the ass of the fattest man with a cane. Jasmine, Reardon said to the black woman, I'm going to return Starlet to your tender mercies, but please, no more rough stuff. If all goes according to plan, we'll be back shortly and we can figure out our next steps. If we don't come back, or someone else shows up in our place, Use your judgment. He shoved Starlet towards Jasmine, who caught her, shook her like a towel that she was about to fold, and then passed her to an Asian. Tie her up, Maylin, she commanded. Winnie stepped forward to hand Jasmine the cowboy's shotgun. Here, she said. This may come in handy. Jasmine accepted the gun and immediately poked the muzzle of it against the ass of the man she had been tormenting. He grunted and tried to flop away. Thank you, said Jasmine. It just may at that. Winnie pivoted and hurried out of the room, Reardon trailing after her. She knew from Google Maps that there was a door to the outside at the end of the corridor. Hey, called Reardon. You're bleeding. You okay? Nothing to worry about now. If you say so, yes, I do. They came to the steel door at the end of the hall, and she punched the push bar to exit. A large swimming pool yawned before them, a large, empty swimming pool. Leaves and other debris peppered the bottom, and in spots the plaster flaked like patches of psoriasis. Starlet's so-called cabana stood beyond the pool. Made of stucco and red tile like the main building, it was drab and shed-like, with double French doors and no windows. A strange multi-masted antenna sprouted from one side of the roof, and a bubble-shaped skylight protruded from the other. When they circumnavigated the pool to reach the building, they found a blanket tacked up on the inside, covering the glass of the French doors. Reardon chuckled. There's the curtain. He jiggled the door handle. Locked. Stand back, said Winnie. Come on. Let's kick it in. Stand back. He grabbed her arm and pulled her to one side. At least stay out of his line of fire in case he does have a gun. She shook off his grip and pointed the shotgun at the upper half of the French doors. She nuked all the glass above the door handle, along with most of the frame. The blanket hung in tatters. You've got ten seconds to come out of there, Oz, she shouted. I'm coming, you freak, someone answered. Furniture shifted, glass crunched, 
and a hand reached through the dangling strips of the blanket to unlock and twist the interior door handle. A short Indian man with thick black hair and long sideburns stepped out. He looked smug and churlish and wore pointy leather shoes that Winnie disliked instantly. One hand was balled in his front pocket. The other, adorned with silver rings of intricate design, was flipping her off. Fuck you, cunt. Beside her, Reardon made a noise in his throat that was more threatening than any words. I'd tone it down if I were you, bucko. Fuck you too, clown. I know all about you both. Talk about the perfect pair of losers. Shut up about us, snapped Winnie. Where is the winemaker? I won't shut up. I've seen the design for your hardware. Except for the stimulator, it's inferior to everything we have now. What were you and your poor dead husband doing for all those years? Winnie took a menacing step forward. She knew she shouldn't let the little bastard get under her skin, but the mention of her husband and their company set her blood boiling. Where the fuck is the winemaker? Oz took a corresponding step back, but didn't stop running his mouth. And I've seen your crappy programming. There are security holes a mile wide. Did you know that it doesn't stop anyone from overriding your motor signals, from controlling your body externally? He pulled his hand from his pocket, and with it came a console of some sort. Enjoy, he said as he depressed a button. Winnie stood stock still for a moment, terrified at the thought of losing control, of being made to harm herself in Reardon, as Oz no doubt intended. But nothing happened. In a flash, she knew why. Ray's RF shielding not only prevented her signals from being detected, it also stopped others from getting in. She leapt at Oz with a roar, grabbing two fistfuls of his shirt. Where is the winemaker? She screamed into his startled face. He said nothing but made the mistake of grabbing at her throat. She spun him around in a wide arc, flinging him into the air as if he were an Olympic hammer, as she repeated, almost maniacally now, Where is the winemaker? His body flew in a flat arc across the pool deck, over the edge, and into the deep end, where he landed head first. Reardon dodged past her to stare at the wreckage. After a moment, he said, We'll take our answer off the air. You have been listening to No Hard Feelings, a finalist for the Forward Reviews Book of the Year Award. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Mm-hmm.